Hey guys, welcome to episode 19 of the True Crime Couple. I'm Kay. And I'm John. First, we want to thank all of our followers on Instagram and Twitter at True Crime Couple. We love hearing your feedback on all of the cases. And we also want to thank everyone who left five-star reviews on iTunes. And last but not least, we want to thank our Patreon supporters, who we will list and thank again at the end of the episode. You guys are awesome. Thank you so much. And we are using our donations that we get from Patreon to try and make this home studio just a little bit better. And also, if you donate to us and you haven't gotten a sticker yet, just send us an email because I know we got some new followers on Patreon, so we want to send those stickers out as quickly as possible. It might take a little bit longer. So today we're going to discuss a family weekend getaway that turns into a forever nightmare for an Idaho family in 2015. This case, although still twisting and developing, was something that we wanted to cover as we can develop it in real time. So let's get started. Police say the suspect, 31-year-old Jeffrey Dahmer, has confessed to the killings of 11 people whose remains were found in his apartment. We are all evil in some form or another, are we not? Lock your doors, lock your windows. If you have the ability to provide additional security devices, then by all means do so. So this story starts off with two high school sweethearts, Jessica Mitchell and Vernal Dior Coons. The couple is not really, though, your conventional high school sweethearts. They dated in high school but ended up going their separate ways. They both will marry other people after high school. And Jessica is going to have two sons with her ex-husband, to whom she gave custody to because she claims she was going through some financial difficulties. However, she never tries to get custody back of her two children. Vernal doesn't have any children with his ex-wife, just a pretty short-lived marriage. The two meet again through mutual friends and really hit it off. They begin dating again, and by all accounts, the couple is in love. A genuine kind of love is what Jessica's mother calls it in an interview that she gives. Vernal is going to propose to Jessica in February of 2012, and the couple finds out two weeks later that Jessica's pregnant. That always leads to rumors, doesn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Jessica reportedly told family that she was really excited for this new chapter in her life, and she believed that it was fate that brought her and Vernal back together again. And everyone said that she was happy to have a family now. But I'm sure kind of in the back of everyone's mind, people are thinking, but you already have a family. Well, and she, well, she also kind of let them go. Right. Like she had, you know, she had children from another marriage. She wanted like a, yeah, a clean slate where she can kind of like do what she had to do. Kind of weird. It is. I mean, situations like this always come with a little, I guess, I don't know, people are always going to think something. And that, that kind of puts a lot of pressure on things because you feel like people are judging you. Well, yeah, you can't silence the haters. No, Well, I mean, it's a little different <laughs> with, when you're leaving two kids. That's true. <laughs> I think that they have a rough go of it from the beginning because people kind of question the kind of person that she is and the kind of relationship that they have only because of this whole custody thing with the two children from the previous marriage. Right. And it'll come up again over and over again. 
So on December 30th, 2012, the couple welcome a boy into the world, naming him Dior Coons. So it's like the middle name of his father. And Dior, just so we all know, is spelled D-E-O-R-R, not like Dior the designer. Just so I know a lot of us will like visually be thinking about that. No, Dior Coons from Idaho. A lot different than the other kind of Dior. Um, But they decide to call him Little Man. So in interviews, they kind of refer to him as that a lot. So if after this case you're interested in looking into it, that's what they refer to him as when they give interviews to the press. They call him Little Man. Get the name right, Little Man. Little Man. Yeah. Yeah. When family explains the kind of child that he was, they say he was bubbly, independent, and that he was always talking. So Jessica explains that she always knew where he was because she could always hear him. Like, he was a very active child. He was a ball of energy, for sure. Yes, definitely. I mean, at two years old, they all are. Very true. At this time, Jessica was working as a certified nursing assistant and eventually got a job taking care of her own grandfather, who was suffering from many ailments. He had emphysema, he was recovering from cancer, and he was reliant on an oxygen tank to survive. So everyone called him Grandpa Bob because this is Baby Dior's great-grandfather. So you know how, like, everyone always ends up getting nicknames. Well, his nickname was Grandpa Bob, and that's how everyone referred to him, even within the community, kind of. So Jessica's going to work with her grandfather as a nurse that visits people's homes to help take care of them. And I, I mean, I don't know if it's common in other places in the country, but that wouldn't be i've never heard that be allowed like you'd be able to go to a relative's house because doesn't isn't there like like a conflict there a little bit i would think it would be a conflict nursing of interest, them. but i mean maybe that they made maybe the company that she worked for made a special case maybe you know it was just yeah. something that they did for her maybe or maybe there weren't a lot of certified nursing assistants available it's maybe. possible i just thought it was a little strange um only because she then explains that she brought her son with her it's like, yeah. that's kind of not really just working. Like, you're not going to bring your son if you didn't know the person. No, of course not. I mean, this was def- she was definitely um, yeah. comfy going to work every yes, day. Yes, exactly. And, I mean, this was a positive thing, too, though, because her great-grandfather got to spend time with her son. Uh, her grandfather got to spend time with her son. And Grandpa Bob loved when Baby Dior was around. And most importantly, he got the care that he needed. Well, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, I know, like, yeah. you know, I'm just saying. So, like, it really no, was I'm a win-win. No, I'm not saying don't help the guy. <laughs> I'm just saying. It was definitely a win-win <laughs> situation for the family, for sure. Um, So, and, and Grandpa Bob is an adorable name. I like Grandpa Bob. I feel Bob. like I want a Grandpa Bob. I know. Me too. Don't worry, guys. Nothing happens to Grandpa Bob. So, despite his failing health, Grandpa Bob is an avid outdoorsman and wants to go on short weekend trip with his family. So, he's going to ask Jessica and Vernal to come with him and to bring the baby along too. So on July 9, 2015, Jessica, Vernal, their two-year-old son, Grandpa Bob, and his friend Isaac begin their trip to Timber Creek Campgrounds. And this is in the Salmon Chalice National Forest in Lador, Idaho. It's about a 138-mile trip northwest from, from their town. And this campsite is a place where Grandpa Bob has feels really familiar and comfortable he said he'd visited it about 10 to 15 times prior to them going and their main focus was to go fishing it was a fishing trip trying to get that salmon 
Well, I would think so in Sam and Charles <laughs> National Forest. I mean, I don't know for That's sure. The name. <laughs> um, so when the family arrives to the campground in their two separate vehicles, later that day, they decide to set up camp for the night. The family, exhausted from their journey, f- fell asleep pretty early in their vehicle. And the next morning, all members of the group state that things were completely normal. And Jessica and Vernal decide to go into town after breakfast, and they want to bring the baby with them. When they return, they see that Isaac had actually caught a lot of fish while they were away in a nearby creek. So they prepare to go fishing as well. They leave baby Dior with Jessica's grandfather while they and Isaac go back to the creek. And the creek is about approximately 100 yards away from the campsite. And after about 20 minutes of fishing, Vernal decides to go check on Grandpa Bob and his son. But when he approaches the campsite, he can't find his son anywhere. He screams to Grandpa Bob, asking him where Dior is. And he turns around, oxygen mask on, in the same chair that they left him in, and said he was just here a few minutes ago. Vernal begins screaming Dior's name, and he runs down to where Jessica and Isaac are fishing, and he yells, we can't find him. She drops her fishing pole and runs up the embankment to help join the search. And while Jessica and Vernal are searching, she calls her mother first, and then when she tells her mother what's going on, her mother tells her, you gotta call 911. Right. So, there's a call placed to 911, but... There, an hour has passed at this point. They search for him for about an hour because on the 911 call, Jessica is telling them that they've been searching for an hour. Okay. You know, you know what's odd, really quick? What? I'm going to hold you up. Let me just hold yeah, you up there. Go for it. It's a little weird because I guess you could say this is kind of like the same. Uh, so, for example, I used to work on a construction site. It was an MTA property, and we were always told, don't call 911 if there's an emergency, if someone got hurt on the job. You want to call like a, a, a secondary number who then would alert the authorities to come because a lot of times police would get lost on site. So like in this case, if you're in a national park, if that was me, my first phone call would be to like one of the, the ranger booths yeah. inside the national park because number one, they're familiar with the area. They know exactly where to find you and they know where they're going. So that just seems to be the first call to make. Like, I don't know. I'm just saying. No, I, I agree with you. It wouldn't be to my mother. It wouldn't be to 911 because what are you going to tell 911? Oh, I'm in a I'm in a. Well, friggin- they would probably connect you to the ranger. Probably, but I'm yeah. saying cut the middleman out and get right to it because your child's been missing for an hour. Well, it seems like they might have not been prepared enough to have that number probably. on hand. Yeah. So that was probably it. It could also be like just panic mode. There's two sides to this. I mean, I do understand you want to search first. And then call. Well, definitely. But I mean, then, you definitely but have then to I put feel some time like into it, for sure. If if I'm looking for five minutes and I, I don't find my, my son, I would probably call a phone number as quickly as possible. And you know what? Actually, th- an hour is a long time. There's also polls um, and signs that do have the nearest ranger booth. It might say, you know, like, I mean, I'm being very vague No, I know here, what you're saying. They're not off the beaten path yeah, the, here. No. They're close to right. other people, yes. campsites, yes. Um, 
so Jessica calls 911 and she tells them she can't find her son. They ask him, they ask her what he was wearing, what he looks like. She gives them that information. She seems very distracted on the call, meaning that the call sounds genuine. Like she's searching for her son. There's a lot of panic. Um, it doesn't seem like anything that's planned. Like it's not one of those controversial 911 calls that people tend to focus on or analyze. It was a definitely, bit. after listening to it, I mean, it was definitely genuine confusion. And fear. Yeah. And trying to talk to other people while she's on the phone with 911. And, and by that. the way, guys, I mean, you guys can go listen to the call if you like. Um, it's on but, YouTube. It's but on, there's definitely it's like this over. pause um, that she, that the mother takes. You know, uh, the dispatcher will say, you know, ask her, you know, how tall is your is your son? And she kind of stutters and kind of well, doesn't Well, she really, says she doesn't know. She go, yeah, she like, there's a big pause. And then she's like, oh, I, I don't know. So, like, a lot of people might read into it too much, but, like, yeah. I, I think it's just something that, like, you can't... It, it might have escaped her mind. We don't want to be... Like, those... You're not even thinking yeah. that. Like, uh, I don't even... I don't even fucking know my kid's lost, you know? Like, you know? It's just, yeah. like, uh, people might read into that too much, but I Some don't. people, little little Judge Judy, but you can't... I feel like you can't judge someone in this situation, because I would be panic mode and forget things. Oh, definitely. Me too. What's strange about everything that's happening is that Dior isn't just not found but there is no piece of clothing anywhere no blood no signs of any struggle now keep in mind he's two years old and this is a very open campground people were fishing a lot of people were fishing in the nearby creek which is only a hundred yards away so there there were people around not too many people and how far could a two-year-old have really wandered? I mean, they don't, they don't, I mean, they can walk well, but not well enough to get miles away within an hour. He definitely wasn't like, you know, the Rugrats from the TV show. They Tommy, were like yeah, running around. No Tommy Pickles. But Jessica even tells law enforcement that he has these cowboy boots on, but they're really big for him. So... If there was any type of struggle, most likely the shoes would have fallen off. Like, especially everyone initially thinks animal attack, right? Yeah. So if there was, if there was a struggle, you would see it. And rangers, police, they've all said if an, there was an animal attack on a child, that, that scene is very noticeable. Oh, there's yeah. going to be blood. There's going to be pieces of clothing. There's going to be body parts in some cases like it's not something that you can't see and also it's very obvious like a disturbance where like in on a path or on the ground whether it's dragging or you know whatever it might be you you, you would see it but none of that was found no boots no anything no blood search and rescue when they arrive do a full-scale search of the area rescue teams use horses boats atvs there, there's no trace of the boy anywhere. And it's also important to keep in mind, as I'm sure most of you know, how critical it is to find a child within the first 24 hours of being reported missing. Because after that, because after that time frame, the chances of finding the child alive decrease dramatically. And as the tracking dogs who were brought in are searching, they pick up Dior's scent by a, nearbo- by a nearby reservoir which is kind of like a red flag. And that's even something the woman who 
When she called 911, the operator said, are you near a body of water? Like that was the first question she asked. So everyone's biggest fear is that he possibly may have wandered into the reservoir. A diving team is sent in. And as as Jessica's mother and father are just watching on, waiting to see if they're going to come up with their son. I mean, I couldn't imagine watching that and thinking, is my well, son going to come? Yeah. yeah. And the team that's sent in to search the area around the reservoir and in the reservoir find absolutely nothing. So the boy is not in the reservoir and he's not even in the surrounding area. And it seems as if he was just somehow consumed by these 4.3 million acres of wilderness that surrounded him. Which is crazy. He's just gone. But think about that area. That's a lot of area to cover. Right. Um, But but there's no way he could even get a mile. Right, unless he was either taken. Or there was an animal attack. Or an animal attack. There's other possibilities. I'm sure there are. But we'll get into that. Uh, And really quickly, just because I love doing this, and I know this case is, you know, it touches my heart and it's upsetting, trust me. But I got to be honest with you, if I was a ranger looking, I... The, the thought that I can get on an ATV and be, like, in the wilderness in a national park is awesome. Like, I'd love to be searching on an ATV. Are you, is this your goal in life? My goal is not... No, 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 no. <laughs> I don't want to be looking for anybody. I don't even want to be in that situation. I'm just saying, though, the thought of me being able to, like, get on an ATV and just do whatever the fuck I wanted while looking for this boy would be awesome as fuck. Ranger John? Ranger like, John. That's your... That's my title, Ranger you know John. Maybe one day you could live your dream, babe. That's no, okay. One I'm day. Good. No, I'm good. <laughs> So the initial thought of law enforcement was that baby Dior was taken by an animal. Considering all the other possibilities, it sounds so sad, but that's best case scenario. Yeah, I mean, this isn't like he like wandered out the back porch of like some like right. city or Busy something. Area. You know, like right. we're, we're talking like you're in a national park. It's yeah. a forest. So there's a lot of predators within the national park that we're talking about. So we went on the website to kind of look at what animals were in the area. I mean, there's elk, moose, but the wolves, bobcats, bears on occasion, that's what worried people. And although only found in certain portions of the district that they were staying in, there are rattlesnakes present in Salmon Chalice National Forest. So maybe a rattlesnake, maybe something happened, but they just haven't found the boy. So these things, or any traces of him, so these things seem really unlikely. And an animal attack is quickly ruled out. Um, Because if it was an animal attack, the dogs would have 100% picked up on the scent by now. That's true. A struggle would be evident, ripped clothing, blood. And it's really, it's a misconception to think that animal attacks happen commonly in national forests and national parks. It's not true. Um, They happen... Very rarely, actually. Yeah? Well, tell that to the guy that got chased by a bear while he was on his mountain bike recently. Okay, well, I'm looking at statistics, John. <laughs> I'm just saying. He's an unfortunate statistic. I mean, there's always got to be one, right? Oh, yeah. Guys, I don't know if you've ever seen that video, but just look it up. Bear chases mountain biker. It's like it just happened not that long ago, and this guy is running for his life on this bike, and then... He's running for life on a bike? Well, all right. I'm sorry. He's... 
<laughs> he's pedaling for his life, and then what happens is he actually has to get off the bike to keep going because the path stopped, and the bear's still chasing him, and he was, like, recording it with his GoPro. Really? I swear to God, if that was me, I'd just lay on the floor. That's it. I'm fucking done. I forget the <laughs> name. I forget the name of the movie, but it was on Netflix, and it ended up being, like, a couple was in the woods. There was a bear attack. One of the most horrific scenes I've ever seen, and I'm a I'm a horror movie fan. Ripping this guy apart, I'm like I never want to meet a bear. Wasn't ever. that um, the Leonardo DiCaprio movie too? It was uh, was it The Revenant, right? I don't know. Or I didn't it? see. Did you watch that without me? I actually did. John, <laughs> why do I, guys? It was kind of like The Revenant, but except the guy didn't get hurt. But anyway, go ahead. Yeah, they they actually just took the bear hunt away in New Jersey, and it's actually becoming a problem because bears are breaking into people's houses. Yeah, it was mad. And one of like bears. breaking into people's houses like they're burglars, but they're getting into like people's air like living areas because they need to control the bear population here, but our governor just got rid of the bear hunt. Yeah. Well since we just People went on are our, really sad. Well since we just went on this crazy bear tandem. Oh, yeah, sorry, story. sorry, sorry. <laughs> sorry if that you're against the bear hunt. I just know the the bad things that can happen. My dog almost got killed by a bear. Yeah. Because it was in the backyard. He survived, don't worry. So, (laughs) Search and Rescue are going to continue to look on with the help of volunteers for for three days at this point. And the couple decides to finally make an appeal to a local reporter. As suspicions are starting to grow that baby Dior was possibly kidnapped from the camping ground. When a local reporter called a couple asking for an interview, Vernal said that they would be there right away. And the grieving couple set off no alarms. Their love for their son seemed evident and their emotions seemed genuine and on point for a couple that had just lost their two-year-old child. And of course, we know this sounds cold, kind of analyzing parents' pleas to the media for their safe return of their children. But it's more often than not that the family's involved in the disappearance of a child. And we've even seen before families go on national television pleading to get their children back and they're the ones who are responsible for the children going missing in the first place yeah so when parents when grieving parents make pleas to the media it always gets analyzed and everyone said that they seemed like they genuinely were distraught and just wanted their son back so no no red flags so after this interview the community is going to rally around the couple Searches are still taking place every day, and vigils are held with hopes that the prayers could call baby Dior back home. As police start to investigate the angle that the baby had been kidnapped, the stories start to pour out. And Jessica was told by people who were camping nearby that when baby Dior was reported missing and the search and rescue teams began to arrive, there was one man in particular who got in his truck right away and left the scene as quickly as possible. And Jessica was very adamant that she wanted law enforcement to look into this. However, investigators had no records of other campers in the area. Like You didn't have to register to be there, so they really didn't know who was around. And to say a man on a campsite got into a pickup truck and drove away is the most general thing you could I mean, really that's probably say. Like every person. That's probably everyone that was there. Yeah. <laughs> and... And a lot of people believed that this man, even if he did exist and he did leave, say, really quickly when search and rescue got there, it could have been anything. He could have had, like, 
illegal drugs on him or he could have had a warrant out for his arrest. Like, you never know what it was, so you just can't make the assumption. He could have just got spooked and just ran away. (laughs) Right. Police are going to question Jessica and Vernal about that day, and nothing seems to stand out to them. So the search continues for another two months until Jessica and Vernal are approached by a retired U.S. Marshal named Frank Vilt who asked them if he can get permission to investigate this case, which has now taken over the news in Idaho. Now, Vilt has an impressive record of successfully returning 19 missing children to their parents. That's impressive. Yeah, so he's really good at what he does. And the couple is going to agree right away. I mean, they want someone like this on their side. So Vilt wants to backtrack the whole investigation and because he has such a great reputation for doing what he does, uh, law enforcement, I have to say, really has open arms to these private investigators because there are going to be two private investigators that are in this story and they work very closely with them, which is good because oft- you don't really hear that too often. But the police are very aggressive about investigating this and trying to find baby Dior. So there's no bad things that investigators do in this case whatsoever. Everyone's really seems to be 100% into finding him. And Vil is going to be allowed access to all the files that have been accumulated by police up to this point. And he extensively is going to question the couple again. And Jessica recalls that when they had went to the general store that morning, remember they said they had left, Um, That store is called the Stage Stop. So Jessica recalls that when they went to the Stage Stop, which is the general store in the area, they the only reason they left the campsite to go to the store is because she unexpectedly got her period in the morning. So sorry, guys that are listening, but it just happens sometimes. (laughs) And her and Dior walking up and down the aisle of the store One older gentleman in particular who was staring at Dior and she said he was staring for a really long time and that he was looking strangely at the boy and that the whole thing made her feel really uncomfortable and she decided to get out of there right away. She noted that when they got into their pickup truck again that that man had gotten into a black jeep. And Vil, having looked through all the police reports, found this really interesting because a mother had called the tip line during the first week of the search to report that on the same day of the disappearance in the same part of the National Forest in which they were staying, she saw a man who she thought was stalking her and her two young boys. And the description that she gave was very similar to the description that Jessica had just given him even down to the black jeep. That's interesting. It is interesting. Um, I think it's interesting, too, also that, I mean, maybe it's something that she thought about. She thought, like, she just remembered, but why didn't she tell investigators this right away? Yeah, that would have been, like, one of the first things I tell them, you know, like, right away. especially if it involved my son like that. Oh, yeah. So, Vilt does not have any difficulty tracking down the owner of this black Jeep because it it actually frequents the general store. As the town of Lador, Idaho has a population of 105. Wow. Okay. So, there's not a lot of people. Not a lot of people whatsoever. The man with the black Jeep actually knows the owner of the general store. 
How? I mean, how could you not? Right. I mean, it's 105, 105 people. You know yeah. everybody. <laughs> there's like 105 people in this complex, I think. I think there's more. <laughs> yeah. Um, and he was not in the store on that day. In fact, he actually has an airtight alibi for the entire day. So not only was he not the guy who was looking at those other kids, but he wasn't the guy in the store. Unless somebody else had a black Jeep. Unless there was somebody else with a black Jeep, but they couldn't, the owner of the store says he doesn't remember anyone else stopping in that had a black Jeep. Or there could have been a passerby. I just feel like if you are the owner of a general store in a town that has a population of 105 this is probably the only store in the whole freaking town you know everybody and when someone new stops in you're going to be curious about it that's true they'd be sticking they would be sticking out like a sore thumb exactly especially guy who's like acting weird he yeah. would remember him that's true so this is a little it's a little strange and it kind of puts up some red flags with Bill. so at this point Bill is going to take a closer look at the adults that were on the camping trip as they're most likely to have been the ones that were involved with the disappearance. Unfortunately, that's how the statistics fall. Vilt looks at the only outsider of the group, Isaac. What is strange about Isaac being on this trip was the fact that Jessica and Vernal had not met him until that day. And I think that's a little strange. That is strange. Right? I wouldn't feel... I mean, I have an aversion to people. Like, I like being home a lot. So <laughs> so if I were to go on a camping trip for a weekend, it wouldn't be with, like, Grandpa Bob's friend that I've never met before. You know what I mean? But but then again, though, you would expect that. I mean, in a way. I mean, How, though? But if I mean, you've ever gone to, like, functions, whether it's family or friends... You're always gonna find. You're always gonna like. Oh, hey! Uh, by the way, uh, my friend Paul is coming. Yeah, but Grand- Grandpa Ryan's Bob's coming. not super mobile. Like he's not hanging out at the local watering hole. Like he's. How have you not met his friend Isaac? That's true. I mean, you're right. But I'm just saying. I mean, there are times where, like, oh, last minute. Oh, hey, uh, you know, this person decided to join us today. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you're saying. Uh, and he's great, or she's great. You'll meet him when you know when we all meet up. Kind of. Well, thing. here's the thing. That's interesting. You say that because Grandpa Bob doesn't say that to Jessica and Vernal. He actually says the opposite to them. He says, "My friend Isaac is really weird, and awkward." And something kind of along the lines of, like, he has a little bit of a difficulty, like, making friends. So, yeah, he's a little strange and awkward, but try to, like, look past it. But I have a friend like that, and we all, you know... Look past look it. Look past it. Yeah, I mean, it's true. I guess we do. I have a friend do. that's so awkward, guys. I mean, it's actually insane how awkward he is. It, it is. Really, but we he all is love really him. awkward. Love him, love him so much with all our hearts. He did sleep in our bathtub once. He, he did. We did find him in the bathtub. Yes. After a long night of drinking, but anyway. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it was actually really funny. Yeah. Oh, geez. So, I guess yeah. Everyone kind of has that awkward friend in the group that you tolerate slash love. Yeah. I guess. Or yeah. hate. Yeah, it's a love-hate kind of thing. It's definitely a love-hate thing. But you you just got to enjoy it. I guess so. Um, I mean, well, Isaac is, once the boy goes missing, he doesn't help with search and rescue. 
And he's actually seen joking around with the people who are actually trying to investigate the crime. So that kind of puts up a red flag. I mean, he's not doing himself any favors here. The weird, awkward outsider not looking for the boy. So investigators, of course, are naturally going to go to him. I mean, even if he was like a fun-loving guy that everyone that knew him loved, you're still the outsider of the group in which a boy was taken. Right? Definitely. So you're definitely going to be looked at by investigation. In the weeks during the initial search for baby Dior, people who knew Isaac for years are going to start calling in the tip line. And they're going to state that Isaac was present during the disappearance of other children. However, law enforcement is never able to back up this claim. I mean, that's a big accusation. I mean, well... It's a big accusation, and I think people tend to want to get involved with investigations. They want to feel like they're helping or they're important or it's a sense of... Um, community. Yeah. Like it's like a sense of community. But... I, I mean, <sighs> especially in a town with only 105 people in it. Think about it. If but I, the damage that can be done Oh, no, absolutely. I'm just saying, think about it. If I go out and I go throw out the trash and I and my bag, my trash bag opens up all over the uh, sidewalk to our development, every window and shade is going to open up and look at me because everyone just wants to be involved. So if everyone yeah. comes out then to help me pick up my trash... No one's going to help you pick it up. They're all just going to yeah. look at you. Yeah. I'm just saying. Yeah. It's- you're you're thinking we live somewhere else. We don't. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> um, so reporters are going to go nuts about this, right? Because what a great twist. Reporters camp outside of his uh, tiny, filthy little house. And I'm saying this because it is, not because... You're I'm being, being judge, judgy. No, I'm not. It's really, really small. Like, it looks like it might just be, like, a kitchen and a living room with a little area to sleep in. <laughs> it's a studio house. And, yeah, it's like a studio house. <laughs> and it's not It's not kept too well. He even gives an interview in it. It gives me anxiety. I want to clean it up for him. And they report about his checkered past. Isaac has theft, battery, and domestic violence on his record. And in news clips covering the story, Isaac can be seen just like cracking open his stained door and telling the reporters to just leave him alone. So it's, so of course they're going to go after him even further, right? If he won't talk to them. However, he eventually cracks and decides to sit down for an interview. And this interview definitely showcases what Grandpa Bob was talking about when he described Isaac as being awkward. Uh, his hands seem to be constantly jittering and he's slightly rocking back and forth. He's very nervous and you could tell not used to having people in his home. Like he's looking around, like watching what people are doing. But to me, yeah, he was extremely awkward, but he looked like someone who was a healthy amount of nervous about being interviewed for a missing child. And he also looked to me like someone who could not evade law enforcement. Right. Like, (laughs) but you also like, okay. Like in this guy's defense, I mean, if you were in your little, uh, studio house 
and you're sitting there and you of have course. video cat well not, you know big monitor cameras mm. like looking at you zooming in on you uh, you have the reporter sitting whether sitting next to you or whatever then you have the little uh, microphone with the little mu- the boom the, the, thing the, yeah. exactly in your face no I, I'm saying it's normal yeah. I'm saying it's normal that he was nervous but I I don't think and this is in his defense I if he were the one to take the child he would have had to do so while he was in the presence of all the adults there like he isn't this like stealthy guy who could do this like no way whatsoever so i think they kind of got the if anyone thinks that it's him they kind of got the wrong idea here yeah, i mean that i i was just gonna say that i mean i mean this guy's not like james bond or like no. splinter cell he could sneak exactly, around and exactly like, you That's know my point. And, and hide the kid in a bush and then take him somewhere else later like yeah, yeah I, no. this is weird. I don't know. But while the media is having a field day with Isaac, the police and Ville are no longer even considering him a suspect, based on all the stuff that we're kind of talking about right now. Isaac, although an odd bird, has never deviated from the story that he told from day one to day 65, where they're at now at this point in the story. Also, everyone is in agreement that he was nowhere near the campsite when the baby went missing. He, in fact, he was fishing with Jessica and Vernal. But there's one problem for Frank Vilt. He had four stories in front of him. The story Isaac had been telling from day one. The story Jessica and Vernal told the day of the disappearance. The one they told police the second time. And the one they're telling him right now. All of them being different. But that is what happens, though. The longer you wait to investigate, your mind gets blurry. There's details that you might forget, and then they come back to you. Or, you know, where like you, you didn't think about it at first. And the more time that goes by, of course you're going to have a different story, even if it's the, even if it's the you know, smallest details. No, I get that. You're gonna, and over time, that starts. It starts to erode. You're like memory of the day. I understand what you're saying completely. There's the worst witness you can have is an eyewitness because of how everything that we see changes in our mind, especially over time. But we're not talking about little things that change. I mean, Frankville has one stipulation for his like free Superman-like services. I mean, finding 19 kids is insane. Um, the parents needed to be up front with him. And it just seemed like Jessica and Vernal were not living up to their part of the bargain. And on September 25th, 2015, the private investigator and retired U.S. Marshal wrote an open letter expressing his frustration with the case and that he had to resign. He accused Jessica and Vernal of lying and misleading him during the duration of his investigation and that the truth would come out sooner or later. In a later interview he gave, he said he could not make sense of the parents' timeline. Just before the Lemhi County Sheriff's Department publicly announced that Jessica and Vernal are considered suspects in the boys' disappearance. So hmm. now the parents are suspects. It's so interesting because in this case, everything kind of flip-flopped. Usually the parents are considered right away, then they cooperate, get ruled out. Here, they're cooperating, and now they're considered suspects. So, like, something's going down with them. 
So what doesn't seem to make sense? Like, what are the parents saying that are so off that people think that they're responsible for the disappearance of their son? So let's go over the various stories that the parents are saying happened the day baby Jor went missing. A.K.A. little man. There you go. Wow, you're fighting hard for him. Little man. (laughs) So here's Isaac's story. And this story has stayed the same every time they ask him what happened. No deviation. He woke up at 12 p.m. And breakfast was ready. Everyone was eating. Jessica, Vernal, and the baby went into town, but he doesn't know why. He was fishing when they returned. And as he was walking up the embankment, Bob yelled to him to take Jessica and Vernal fishing with him to show them where he had caught all of the fish. The couple gets their gear on and they go down fishing with him. He might have recalled seeing the boy running around back at the campground before they left, but he can't be sure. Vernal, after 20 minutes or so of fishing, decided to go back to the campsite, which was about 100 yards away. Next thing he knew, Vernal was screaming the boy's name and saying that he was missing. That's Isaac's story. Now, the couple's initial story to law enforcement was they woke up, cooked breakfast, Jessica realized she had her period, and they went to the store together. When the couple came back, Grandpa Bob said Isaac caught a lot of fish and they should go down there. Isaac said he would go down with them and show them where he caught the fish. They get all of their gear and ask Grandpa Bob if he would watch baby Dior and he agreed. Vernal went to go check on him and then he was nowhere to be found. Jessica called the police right after calling her mother. Upon being questioned again by police, there were a lot of problems with the couple's story and it seemed they were desperately grasping at straws and maybe not remembering the stories as they may have told them previously. In another telling of events by Jessica to Vilt and to law enforcement, so this is the second interview she gives, she ends up giving like four or five, she says she woke up to Isaac pounding on the window of the pickup truck that the family was sleeping in. And she specifically remembers him yelling, wakey, wakey, eggs and bakey. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, it's actually like comical scene. Google a picture of Isaac. Pretty funny. That is true. Investigators would later ask Isaac if this is true. And he said, absolutely not. He woke up at 12 p.m. Breakfast was already made when he woke up. So he didn't wake them up at 8. He woke up at noon. What a ridiculous thing to make up. Right. But. It's just, why but, make that up? Well, I know you have more to go. But yeah. I just, but it, but you have to understand, you got to try to get into a, someone's mind that's trying to cover up lie after lie. If these are indeed lies. No, I get that. I get that. You need to somehow fluff your story kind of like, like last week when he just like made these ridiculous details that well, that's what i'm that's saying what like you need to try the to fluff truth. the lie you know it's almost like trying to count you have to try to camouflage but here's your the mistake. thing there will we'll get further into what they're doing and why why i think it's so ridiculous but 
The investigators asked Jessica and Vernal who cooked breakfast that day. They both said that they were the ones who cooked breakfast. So Vernal says, I made breakfast. Jessica said, I did. I mean, that's something that I can kind of see past. You don't remember. Actually, I don't. I can't see past it. What, I re- that they... I remember. I remember last weekend who cooked breakfast. You know what I'm saying? Well, if this was us, it would be you. Because I don't know. Well, I know. It's me every time. <laughs> but I would remember if you cooked breakfast. Or I would remember me physically cooking breakfast over an open flame fire while right. I'm camping. But what they're probably trying to say is, oh, I, you know, we, we help each other make breakfast. Yeah. Like, that's what they're probably going to say. Yeah, like, this like, one, I, could, I guess I could look past it. We help okay. each other make breakfast. You know, like, you know, like, when they're questioned on it, well, what do you mean you both made breakfast? You both are claiming to make breakfast. Well, okay. I helped. All right. That kind of shit. I'll look past the breakfast thing. You're right. You like that? I just I, said you're right. I, I love it. All right. Continue, <laughs> though. Then Jessica's story changed as to why they went into town. She said they went into town because Vernal needed to find diesel gas for his pickup truck. When the investigators said, wait, we thought you went into town because you had your period. She said, oh, yeah, that's why I thought too. But then Vernal said he needed to find gas. Jessica then tells them something that she never told them before. She says that they drove around looking for diesel gas, but couldn't find any stations for it. And that they drove around for an hour. Why would you drive around an hour looking for gas? Aren't you then wasting gas? Isn't that insane? (laughs) That is now. See now, now, right here is a great example that I just want to point out. Right, mm-hmm. so in this scenario, in this telling of this interview part, correct, I can say, like, okay, let's say they were going to the general store. Right. Well, most small towns, their gas station is also where their general store. Well, that's what investigators are going to say. Right. Um, eventually. The couple and their son get lost, she says, driving around looking for gas. But police feel as if the couple's not being honest. Because the town of Lador has a population, remember, of 105. There's a little center of town, and then there's houses. And that's it. You can see everything is in eyesight. So how do you get lost looking for something? Right, and like For I, an hour. Like I'm saying, this this interview piece doesn't make sense unless the gas station and the and the general store were connected and yes she was there because of her mishap with her period and also that the fact that they were going to get diesel fuel you know what i'm saying like you no, can make I, the argument that oh they were they were they were there for that oh but we were also here for no, this no and i completely get that it was the that. same spot but i know what you're saying it, the rest of this doesn't make fucking sense because well wait i'm how, not how even done yet get lost in a, in a square mile uh, you know a small town So then when they asked Vernal the story about the diesel, he agreed that they were searching for diesel for an hour. Investigators are like, how? How do you get lost in a town that's probably eight blocks wide looking for gas? Uh, Vernal said that he finally pulled into a feed store in town within the eight blocks and said that they were selling diesel. He claims that the man that was selling the gas leaned into the truck and was kind of playing with the baby, like talking to him, making faces. And the clerk began to fill his tank, but as he was doing so, he ran out of diesel. When investigators went to confirm this story, he said, no, I didn't run out of gas on that day. 
Like he would know. But I'm sorry. Hold on though. Just for the just for the listeners that you know want to be very very specific here. You're saying they ran out of diesel, not gasoline, right? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, okay, I'm just making sure. Oh, I'm so sorry. No, no, no. Hey, listen, because they are two different things. Just, you know. Yeah, he's saying I didn't, well, he's saying you didn't run out of it. That's, I mean, he would have remembered I was filling up a truck and I ran out of whatever I was filling it with. Right, yeah. He said, I did see that truck, though. They showed him a picture of baby Dior and he said, I didn't see a baby. Okay. He said, but I did see an empty car seat in the back of the truck. Which tells me that... Well, it's either they didn't have the baby, or maybe Jessica had, like, taken the baby out to, like, walk around. If, if in fact, they did get lost for an hour, let's stretch, let's stretch our legs. Let me take the baby out a little bit. He may have to go to the bathroom. He may have to... Let's just leave both options open. Yeah, she could have took the baby out. Maybe he stayed back with the truck and she went. Why lie? Why say, what a ridiculous thing to lie about. Oh, he was playing and making faces with the baby. If you're really trying to cover this up, don't say that. I don't know if it's like straight up stupidity. Yeah. Or if it's just cloudy and you just don't remember, you know, that day. Like I know I know that's I know I'm stretching this, but yeah. let's let's even just say, you know, you don't remember exactly what happened that day. You know, it's just like this is just too much. Your story is changing way too much every time. You know, and I mean, I don't know if this is true, but I mean it seems like that hour, that's that's kind of... If the baby was not in the car seat, that is a missing gap of time, even though, you know, he, it, it, it's weird. He What he, did they do for an hour? What did they do for an hour? Did, did the, was the baby back with Grandpa, you know? No, the baby was with them because after they went to go get the diesel, the diesel, Jessica said that they'd stopped at the general store. So they first got missing... They first went missing for an hour looking for diesel... And then they stopped at the general store to buy tampons. Right. Vernal stated, it's not over yet, that while he was walking out with the baby, the Budweiser delivery guy was walking in the front door with his delivery. Vernal said the man was very friendly, kneeled down to give baby Dior a high five, and they began talking. When the man heard that Dior loved trucks, he picked up the boy and put him in the front seat of the large delivery truck. When investigators asked the Budweiser delivery man for the, of the general store if he remembered this interaction, he said that this wasn't true. He did deliver on that day, but he didn't have any such interaction because he parks in the back of the store to make deliveries through the service entrance, as he always does. Okay, so... Pause that. Just want to say two things. Okay. Just Go. because I, I I need to. One, they had to have been back there or knew that the Budweiser truck was always there in the back to, you know, to to say that. Like, you know what I mean? Like, how did they know that that Budweiser truck was back there unless they were back there themselves during the delivery? Or they just saw him delivering it in the store while they were in the store. And okay. he decides, I'm going right. to say this. And then the other thing is, 
there's way too many lies to cover up this missing hour. Yeah. Like, it's odd to me that, like I said before, this whole fluffing of, of a story, you know, it's very odd that all these interactions are happening with the kid that they're saying happened but didn't it's happen. A, it's, al- it's like, like yeah. why is this kid becoming the center of attention while they're trying to get fucking well, gas? Well, it's almost like they're trying to say... Or they're trying to illuminate the fact that they had the kid. Right. They're going when out they of their way. they might not have had the kid. Yes. They're going out of their way so hard to, to, to make it known. You know, he had, the, the boy had this interaction and this one and this one. Like. Or something something happened to him while they were gone. You know, I don't know. There's, but, just, there's too many lies. Like. For this missing hour. It yeah. doesn't make sense. doesn't Okay, matter. let's get all yeah. the facts out and then we'll get into our, what we think happened. Because there's more stuff. It's not, it's not over yet. So the couple says that they get back to the campsite around 1 to 1.15 p.m. But this timeline makes, makes no sense. Isaac, who has never wavered from his story, says that he woke up and the couple left around 12.30. If they got lost looking for Diesel for an hour, then went to the store, had these interactions that they say they did, there is no way that they came back and they say the latest they got back was 115, 45 minutes. How? No. That's a lie. Their whole timeline is off. Well, from start to just about finish, it seems like there's nothing credible in their story at all. Right. So, either way, they state they get back between 1 and one fifteen, which we know is physically impossible from what they said. Uh, when they return, Isaac shows them all the fish he caught. They say that Grandpa Bob tells him to show them where he found the fish. Isaac agrees. Jessica now states that they grab their gear and head off. At this point, Baby Dior runs up to them and they ask him, Do you want to come with us? Or stay with Grandpa Bob. Jessica says that baby Dior then ran back to her grandfather and she asked him, can you watch the baby while we go fishing? And he agrees. 20 minutes later, they claim that Vernal goes back up to check on the baby and Grandpa Bob says, I thought he was with you. And actually in a, Now, I thought this is really telling, and it was actually pretty dramatic. In an interview that he gave with People Magazine, Grandpa Bob admits very reluctantly that he never remembers Jessica asking him to watch the baby. And think about all the health issues he has. For all we know, he he might have been able to see the baby run to Jessica and Vernal and then not hear them ask, can you watch him? Yeah. Or... <laughs> and now we just have this baby that was running around. You know, I was going to make the statement be- before earlier on, but I-, I just felt like maybe it wasn't right. But, I, I mean, he is old. I'm not he to say... He has a lot of health problems. He has a problems. lot of issues. I, I mean, what I... You know, if my parents were old, you know, would I let them watch my child? Of course. But, like... I would in a house. Yes, not out in, <laughs> in the a wilderness park. <laughs> where he needs oxygen... To even survive, what's he going to do? Chase? Say he, the boy does run away, and he is watching him. He can't even physically go chase after him. Yeah. 
It's true. So it wasn't really the best judgment call to leave a child with your grandfather who's in failing health. And and she should know that as a nurse. That's true. Good point. So after they cannot find the baby, their stories differ even further about who told who to call 911. Uh, Jessica is going to say that she tells Vernal, we got to call 911. And then Vernal says, no, he's the one who told her, we got to call. And this is pretty important because things change a little bit for the couple. Vernal first tells police that he screams the baby's name for 15 minutes. And then he changes his story and says that it was more like 45 minutes. But the 45 minutes is probably more likely because as Jessica tells police in her 911 call, her son had been missing for about an hour. So the 45 minute thing sounds a little bit more accurate. Maybe he was just such in such a frantic search that he didn't realize well, time. Yeah, uh, that's yeah. what I was just about to say. It's true. It's possible. So, but don't let's not forget. Private investigator Frank Vilt has dropped them because he does not believe what they're saying. And if that's the case, I mean, there has to be... He must have this gut feeling that they are lying. Not only a gut feeling, but he might have all the evidence laid out for all we know, and he just knows that this is not fucking panning out. Yeah. And that's why he's not going to work with them. Well, after being dropped by Frank Vilt, the couple seek assistance from a very well-known and somewhat controversial private investigator named Phil Klein. The couple is asked to take multiple polygraph tests, and they fail them all. Among some of the questions that they failed were, do you know where your child's body is? Do you know what happened when he disappeared? And this is kind of controversial, too, the idea of a polygraph test, and how reliable it is, and how not reliable it is i think that you can't really do this with parents of missing children because even the mention of their name is going to bring up a heightened sense of urgency whether it be because they did something wrong or because the child's missing so i don't know i don't i don't rely too much on polygraph tests I know, I know what you mean, and I guess you could say that since they failed multiple tests, it wasn't like they were reluctant to take any. Yeah, they took multiple tests, um, and we can't explain to you enough of how much of a big case this was in the Idaho area, and the controversy that it brought. As the couple was seen as suspects, they started to question why Jessica doesn't have custody of her other children. Years had passed since her financial difficulties. And she had yet to seek at least shared custody. Which is odd for a mother. Correct. Some theorized that maybe the couple wanted to be free of the burden of children. And these rumors surely uh, were not helped. That when under the pressure of the search and investigation, the couple splits. Now, that's completely normal and unfortunately true. Just another statistic that... When couples have missing children, more often than not, they separate because yeah, of I mean, pressure. it's not just missing children. If a child dies, that right. also has a devastating effect on, on, a, on a relationship. So, yeah, I kind of write that off. That could just be, you know, well, shit. I mean, yeah, I, I, that's not what's strange. What's strange is Jessica meets someone right away and marries them after nine weeks of dating. Okay. That's, that's odd. 
After the couple splits and the hurried wedding, they begin to point fingers at each other. And now that's when the 911 call thing comes into question. Vernal says he has to convince Jessica to call 911. And she says the same thing about him. P.I. Klein started at one point much like Vilt did. And he gets calls. Like, he wants to start from the first point. He wants to go way back to even before they left for this trip. So he goes back in time, too. And he's going to question them as well. The whole time he's doing his investigation, he gets calls from Vernal saying that Jessica knows where their son is and he's trying to find out, but she isn't telling him. Jessica's giving interviews saying that Vernal is a pathological liar and that he'll tell you anything you want to hear. And it kind of seems as if she doesn't know exactly how to word things here, but she says, if police told me without a doubt he killed my son, I'd believe it, which is kind of like... Like, yeah, if you were told he did it without a doubt, you you would believe it, right? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Also, despite getting married, Jessica makes the claim that Vernal could, could have hurt Dior. And he is living his life like it's nothing, and I'm falling apart every day. Okay. I'm just going to say this. But she's living it, her life like it is. That is the most fucked up thing that right. you can ever do to someone especially someone that you had a child with, is place blame and what a crazy accusation to make yeah. on your ex-husband and the father of your child. Well, I think it's stupid because they're each other's alibi. They were with each other the whole time. Well, So if one's responsible, the other's responsible. Well, I already have come up with something at the end of this whole thing. Even though you have white ways to go, I will let you finish. Okay. Well, after one year of investigation... And two years and four months of baby Dior being missing, Philip Klein released the following statement on Monday, November 13th, 2017. His PI firm provided formal notice to Steve Peener. What was the name? No, it's Penner. It's Penner, I think. It's not <laughs> Peener. <laughs> I think it's Penner. <laughs> Sorry, oh <my> guys. <laughs> Whoops. Um, the county sheriff that... He would be, sorry about that. It was supposed to be dramatic and I made it not dramatic. <laughs> um, that he would be withdrawing from the Dior Coons case effective immediately. I would like to make the reasons for withdrawal very clear for the media and the general public. We believe KIC Texas, can that's his PI firm, can no longer move this case forward. It is our firm belief that until truthfulness comes out from the parents, that we, as well as law enforcement, have named as suspects, there is nothing further to investigate. All evidence leads to the death of Dior Coons Jr. We do not believe a kidnapping or animal attack occurred, and all evidence supports this finding. We believe charges should be filed on the parents for child endangerment at minimum. We publicly ask the district attorney of Lemhi County to strongly consider this charge. We have recently become aware that Vernal Dior Coons and his father, Dennis Coons, have filed another lawsuit against our firm for defamation of character. This suit, as well as the misinformation campaign by certain social media trolls, oh, that's a public statement that ever involved the word trolls, <laughs> appears to be coordinated effort to impede the investigation. 
We are unable to continue our efforts in this case while simultaneously defending against a suit of this nature. As we have said, the truth is the ultimate defense. We would like to publicly thank the citizens of Idaho for their open hearts and minds. We thank the business that was offered the businesses that offered us food, shelter, and warm wishes. We thank the family members of Baby Dior who have pure and clean hearts and have helped us understand the parents' dysfunctional family dynamic. And they go on to thank not only local law enforcement, but also the FBI, who later gets involved with the search process and investigation. Um, In a later interview, Klein had the following statements to make. I'm not going to discuss where it was or the circumstances around it, because it will be an integral part of the prosecution. And I don't want to hurt the prosecution, but a cadaver dog did hit. That has never been announced before, but we're announcing it today because we feel the public needs to know. I'm also going to announce to you today that Jessica herself told investigators on our team that she knows where the body is, but she will not go all the way and finish her story. This has been very disturbing to us. We have attempted to work with Jessica tremendously. We have offered to fly her to Texas and give her the opportunity to get away from Idaho because she's scared of some situations. I believe some of it is paranoia that has set into her at this point because she knows the walls are closing in on her. But I will announce today that Jessica has told investigators that she knows where the body is and she will not say any more. There is a huge piece of evidence in this case that we're concerned about. We've asked Jessica privately and now we're asking her publicly to come in and tell law enforcement what happened. And they also say... I want to announce for the first time we, law enforcement, and the FBI have interviewed Vernal Koontz and the father, of, the father of Baby Dior nine times. He's been given nine interviews and none of the stories he told, none of the stories he told has ever matched each other or been verified. So they're both dirty on this one, is what it sounds like. See, they, they go on to say that every interview they gave with did with Vernal is very disturbing for us as investigators. He's given us a story, and when we go out and try to prove just simple things on his timeline, they all fall apart very quickly. So it has been two and a half years, and the investigation hasn't turned up anything new regarding Dior Coons. Law enforcement has released age progression photos that we're going to put up on our social media sites. And hopefully it's not that it's not true about the dogs getting the scent, but hopefully, hopefully baby Dior, nothing bad did happen to him. But from what seems to be be said about the parents, I just don't think that I don't think it's just a disappearance. Well, all I'm going to say right off right off the bat is I hope that both of them are prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. What it seems like is they're taking their time to get everything together properly for the prosecution so they can. Good, because they should. Because you know what? It's they were neglectful whether or not 100%. whether or not they they were involved in this kid's death. They were neglectful. Right. They did not do a good job as parents. Now, you know, I'm not a parent, you're not a parent, no. but we would never do those things. I mean, like, we would make sure that the kid was, 
being provided for in our absence. So I just think that this whole thing is weird. I will say this, though. I feel like... You, I mean, yes, you could place blame on both parents, which I just said. But, but, it seems to me like the mother, I feel like she's dirtier. Like, she knows more than yeah. he does. Well, do you think that the baby, there was an accident with the baby while they were away from the campsite? And this is the cover-up? Or do you think that he wandered off from the camp campground? Oh, so that's really hard. Because... I think that there's more than that going on. And when we started to touch upon how she, they, you know, Vernal and, and Jessica split up mm-hmm. and then she was kind of with someone else and got married right after. Yeah. It, you know, and not long after, nine weeks, right? You know, it just. I'm just surprised they didn't tell on each I mean, they were aggressively pointing the fingers at each other. Right. But they didn't come out and say well, she I'm did it or he did it. Jessica got married to someone else mm-hmm. right and it, it was it's, it seems very quick to me oh so yeah. what i think's happening here is and i could be wrong and i don't have all the pieces but who's to say that this new person that she married wasn't in the picture before wasn't in the picture before I see what you're saying. Or, I mean, well, well, was, but, like, kind of in the background. Like, he was kind of lurking. They knew of each other. They knew what they wanted to do. Yeah. And what better way to start the fucking, uh, you know. New family. New family than to get than rid to of the do old. it again. And she's she... already done that before. So, I don't have all the answers. And I kind of can't piece my argument together 100%. Right. But to me, with Jessica, she moved really quickly. This is her M.O., Except right. the first time, she just got rid of the custody of her children. This right. time, I think she had an involvement with the child's death. And maybe, just maybe, the person that she's with now was involved. Do you think that maybe it might have been set up as like a give the child away, allow someone to snatch the baby from the campground? I think this is like an elaborate like ruse, the whole thing. I don't yeah. know if everybody was involved, but she... Jessica couldn't, could not have done it on her own if this was indeed yeah, but then, her plan. Okay, that totally, I get that. But then how does that explain Vernal and all of his bizarre stories? If Vernal is, I, I hate to sound See? like this, but like, but let's say if Vernal is not as guilty, I don't know, not as guilty. Or, but he has to, but he... Why is he making all these weird, bizarre stories? Like, there is no... I, I don't know. I think that if it is the parents, it's the parents together. I don't think it's one scheming over the other. I want to say you're right. Because it, it doesn't make sense, the bizarre behavior of both of them. I agree with that. And their weird stories. It, even if it was the whole a plot by Jessica, it doesn't make sense that he's making up these weird things about... The guy at the, at the gas station making faces at the baby or the or how about beer this? delivery guy. I got another one for weird. you. How about this? Let's just throw throw everything in. What if everyone is in cahoots with one another except Isaac? Uh, Isaac. Because <laughs> Isaac's the only one where his alibi. I would say I, I can't agree with that because the the interviews that I watched with Grandpa Bob he, you could tell there's some serious guilt on him. But Kay, there's guilt because he might feel like it's his no, fault. No, for- not like, I think that he knows that his granddaughter's involved. 
only because of the way, like when he came out and said that in the interview where he was just like so genuine in saying, I, I don't remember them asking me to watch the baby. He said it. I don't remember. It could, it, this all could be just an accident. Okay. Well, how about this? Do you think that Jessica, if this thing was set what up. What if it's an accident and the baby died? There was an accident while they were out. They left the campground. Okay, but that's. And but, now they're covering but it but up. But I can shoot that down right away. Because they you saw have the nothing, baby. But, but, but Kay, if, if it was an accident and even if, even if you were neglectful as parents and it was an accident and the kid wound up, dr- you know, he, he drowned, the kid drowned or mm-hmm. whatever, right? Yeah. You would still, as parents, as normal people, try to. You call know, law go to law enforcement yeah. and say, "Oh my God!" Or call nine one one. Hey, my kid just drowned. I wasn't Let's try looking. And save them. Like, yeah. why would you go out of your way to fucking cover up I mean, something honey, that was an accident? Weirder things have happened. Absolutely, but I just think with with everything provided, it's like okay, if if it was indeed an accident, they could have made right on it and like, hey, and just chalk it up as we weren't right. paying attention. Right. This is what happened. What if this is just a simple kidnapping thing, or like, or what if it's just that? Someone, gonna, well, Grandpa Bob's me. fallen asleep. Well, I thought that they I, fell asleep in the chair. Fell asleep, you know, and someone came and grabbed him. And you're going to tell me that? Let's say there were, there were, and we do know there were other people on the campground, not close, but they were there. Yeah. You're going to tell me that not one person saw a, a random dude or woman. I know running uh, running with away a child, with a child, and there was this huge hunt in Idaho. Yeah, you're right. That we doesn't can, make sense. Yeah, I'm just throwing it out there. And and it would have been an Amber Alert. With that yeah. jeep, that was the one. Uh, that that one. No, no, because they no, because the jeep came didn't come in right away. Remember, Jessica didn't tell law enforcement right away, and the woman didn't call the hotline until days later. So there was no, the black jeep wasn't on Amber Alert. Well, no, no, no. But what I'm saying is, Amber it Alert would was have, there was a missing child, but not if, right. any vehicle connected with it. But are you ready for this theory? Yeah. Missing four one one. And I know a lot of listeners probably know exactly what I'm talking about and probably have been screaming this in their heads the whole time. But and for anyone who doesn't know, I'll give a quick, brief summary. I want to do a whole episode on the missing 411 stuff, but this is just a quick synopsis. We'll cover it quickly, but I do want to go into detail on this in the future. There are hundreds of missing children cases within national forests in this country every year and some of them are really bizarre and they all seem to have the same general storyline children are there you look away for a second and they're completely gone not a trace of them anywhere no tracks no struggle they're not there And there are cases that this happens with adults, too, where someone will go missing in a national forest, they search it in a grid-like pattern, and then the body is found in an area that's already been searched, right out there in the open. There's even a case of a man going missing. They search this whole area where he is, like a... They do like a 10-mile radius of where he went missing from. And there's they do the search. He's nowhere to be found. 
There's a storm and a tree falls down. His body is found on top of the tree. So what the, what the dude do? Climb up the tree? I don't know. There's no there's no explanation. So you're saying that people it's are mysterious found, circumstances? Yeah, people are found. Um, their, compl- their clothes are stripped off of their body. There's no sexual assault. There's no assault whatsoever. What happened? So people are, are found. Fa- like yeah. a landlocked Bermuda Triangle? Uh, there's a lot of <laughs> theories involved in what the missing 411 could be. Um, I know this goes completely out there, but you can't say that there's a missing child in a national forest without bringing up this theory. Um, but it goes out in many different directions. Government experience, experiments, aliens, um, just weird, just the unexplained. I have heard of, um, uh, when people go to national parks, actually, it's funny you, you said that, um, that peop- there's some... Um, Cases where people have missing time where they can't remember, correct? Right, and I kind of feel like that kind of goes into into this specifically. Um, yeah, some people think that maybe that they're taken, used for some type of experiments, whether it's governmental. Some people think aliens, and that then they're returned, sometimes alive, sometimes not. But the people that do get fined have missing time. Yeah, they can't so recall. so that's always a theory. We're going hard on Jessica and Vernal. You never know. I, you can't say there's a disappearance in a national park without bringing this up. Well, they haven't found his it's body, all right? all over the forums. No, they have not found his body. So, but this case may not have anything to do with this. It may have to do with the parents. I mean, I'm leaning, I'm leaning mostly towards, and I can't say what. I can't pinpoint when, but the parents know I think a that, lot more than they're I saying. I think that you're right, but I want to say that I think that if the parents are if the parents are involved, I think that Jessica was definitely the ringleader. She was definitely the one that was calling shots. You I just think have this so? feeling. I do. I do. Maybe. I do. Because I want to know I what I would like to know. I want to know more about her past uh, relationship with those two children. Why she uh, gave away custody. Was she un, uh, an unfit mother that they she had was No, her- it had nothing to do with being an unfit mother. It was because she she claimed she asked her ex-husband if he wanted custody. He said yes, he did. And she said it's only because I'm having financial difficulties, but eventually I'll ask for the children back. But, but she, she never, never did. did. So I, that's odd to me. That there is very, very weird. I want to know yeah. more about that as to why. And I'm sure you want to know more about fit, missing that 411. Oh, I know. I do. I definitely do. Yeah. You know, it's I'm into good. I know. That's why I thought you'd like that at the end. Yeah. I mean, it's... I would love to hear what you guys have to say. I mean, please give me your theories. I, I'm the theory man, and I love hearing what you guys have to say. So, Yeah, thank you so much for joining us in this episode. We love when you give us feedback on Instagram or Twitter. So let us know. I know this is it's a continued investigation. So as updates come, we will definitely let you know what's going on. So far, all the past cases we've done, there's no updates yet. But as soon as we get updates, we'll let you know as quickly as possible, even if it's just like a quick few-minute episode that we throw out. But before we go, we want to thank all of our Patreon supporters. Um, There's so many of you now, and we just appreciate everything. Even if you could just donate a dollar, it would help us out more than you could ever imagine. Um, If you're interested in doing so, you could go to patreon.com slash true crime couple help get us to our goal we're almost there 
Um, so we want to thank, now here are some new Patreon supporters, Linda Martinelli, Angie Rush, Laura L, Lindsay C, Sarah Franco, Tiffany Stallings, Jordan, Jessica Brand, Tracy Sumler, Jen Paradiso, Lynn Pfeiffer, Valerie Castro, you upped your donation, thank you so much. Uh, Dana Connaughton, Lisa Pincher, Mike Sellis, Kelly Vanderveer, Lisa Pincher, Justin Tinkman, Kathy Rodnight, Steve Meyerson, Angela Stiles, Melanie Link, and Maria Almeida. Thank you so much for everything that you're doing. You're really making this possible and helping us out so, so much. Thank you so much, guys. Without you guys, we're nothing. I know. It's true. Thank you so much. Thank you, guys. Bye.